besides the physical toll and the financial toll of coronavirus, it's taken an enormous emotional toll on all of us. And I'm deeply afraid that we're going to have an emotional pandemic when all is said and done. We're going to be afraid to go to the grocery store. We're going to be afraid to go to back to work. We're going to be afraid to touch people, to have our social interactions, because we have so gotten afraid, this like PTSD, I call it, of the pandemic. Well, we need to solve that. We need to be able to put it on a shelf, to heal from it, and be able to get on with our lives. So I've invited today Dr. Mark Goulston. He's a psychiatrist. He is a brilliant person at helping people deal with self-defeating behaviors. And frankly, if we keep ourselves home, it's going to be self-defeating behavior. So I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. Don't forget to share it, please, because we need everybody healed and healthy and out onto their lives when all is said and done. And please rate and review us. Hi, I'm Sarah Heiner, and welcome. And I'm sorry I'm a minute late. You've all been probably waiting online to get in like a Trader Joe's, socially distanced. Um, anyway, so welcome to our next, this is our third Facebook Live. I'm super excited about it. We've gotten some great response so far, and we've been talking about all sorts of challenges with regard to the coronavirus and the pandemic and the quarantine. And today, frankly, it's about emotional health. I'm, you know, besides the financial challenges, besides the health challenges that everybody's suffered, is this other enormous emotional pain and fear and what I'm calling, you know, a PTSD of, of the quarantine and of, of this pandemic. So I've got Dr. Mark Woolston with me and he's going to be answering the questions and he's going to be giving his brilliant perspective. I'll tell you in a moment who he is um, and why he's so good to be talking to me about this. Um, don't forget that you can post comments um, in the comment box so that they'll be filtered to me if you've got questions at all. So please let me know what you're afraid of. Um, and then let me also give you a couple other things. Next Tuesday, we're doing a um, Facebook Live, two o'clock from inside the ICU, actually, at Stanford Hospital, Dr. Joe Feuerstein, who has had COVID and he's been treating the patients and dealing with it from the inside. So we're going to hear from him and find out what's going on from the inside of, the, of an emergency room in ICU. And then next Thursday, Dr. Jake Teitelbaum will be back with me. We're going to talk about sleep. Um, getting enough sleep is critical to your immune system, but with all this stress, sleep is not really something we're doing such a good job at. So that is coming up. That'll be next Thursday at two o'clock. So lots coming up. If you can't make it at that moment in time, we will always restream it and make the video available. All right, Mark Goulston, hi. Let me tell everybody who you are. Um, Dr. Mark Goulston, brilliant psychiatrist. He is an FBI and police hostage negotiation trainer. So he can talk to anybody and get through to anybody. Um, he's the author of numerous books, including Get Out of Your Own Way, Overcoming Self-Defeating Behavior, and These Emotional Pains and Our PTSD and Our Holdbacks and Fears play right into that. Um, and he is a regular longtime contributor to Bottom Line, a very dear friend, um, very prolific, has his own blog, has his own podcast. You can learn all about all that he does at markgolston.com. So thank you for being with me, my friend. Well, it's always good to see you. I wish it was under better circumstances, but you know, let's see who we can help and because we're all in this together and we're all going to get through it. We are. We definitely are. So I characterize this as PTSD. How do you characterize? What are you seeing in your world and what you're seeing in terms of um, depression, anxiety, trauma, what people are experiencing? Well, you know, one of my books was PTSD for Dummies in the Dummies series. And even, even though it was the Dummies series, it, 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 uh, people see it as a pretty good resource. Um, 
Uh, no, I, I see we're going to be developing PTSD. I think we're laying the seeds for it. The key is how to prevent it. And here's something that I hope I'm wrong about. You know, something else, uh, you know, I was a suicide specialist for 35 years and I was a boots on the ground kind of interventionist and I had a pretty good track record. And I hope I'm wrong. Uh, and, but I think there's going to be a surge. I mean, there's already some increase in suicides, but I think there's going to be a surge. And I wanted to share it with you because if we get it out, then maybe we can counter it. I think there's going to be a surge in first responders, people who didn't get to see their parents die on the ventilator, all kinds of awful things. Because what, what happens is when you're going through a trauma, so we don't have the PTSD yet. When you're going through a trauma, you suppress your feelings because you got to survive. You got to focus. You got to do whatever you can do for the day. But what's happening is you're seeing or in the middle of something horrific, but you can't allow yourself to feel the natural feeling, which is horror. Right. And what happens is when you see something horrific, it starts, you start to feel terrified, which means you start to feel fragile. And so you say to yourself, if you're a healthcare worker, first responders, seeing all these awful things, don't panic, push it down, stay focused. And what happens, and so I'm giving you an idea of what PTSD from the inside out of someone who developed it, it goes through. So, so there you are, you're pushing it down and you're suppressing it, and it is exhausting. That's why you hear these stories of people barely making it through the day, nurses and doctors, and they go home, and they just go into a closet, and they just start to cry. Uh, and then what happens is it's so exhausting to keep pushing it down that we then repress it. And I'm sorry for that kind of gobbledygook term, but repress means we put it into our unconscious. So if you think of computers, your working memory, your RAM is your short-term memory. That's what makes the computer work. But you have this big hard disk that you throw everything into it. And our mind is very much like that. So we try and push down our feelings. And it's so exhausting that our mind then allows it to go into our unconscious. And, but our feelings, when they're repressed, don't just stay there. It's those repressed feelings that trigger symptoms like overeating, drinking too much shutting down, withdrawing. And a lot of times people don't make the connection between that repressed feelings that wants to bubble out and those symptoms. And you're just doing it to sort of make it through. And this is going to go on for a time now. And then what happens, there will be a point in which it, it seems like we're turning a corner and then we feel safe. And initially there'll be some relief, but if you're one of these people that has seen horror, felt terror, pushed it down, focused, it's going to bubble out because you, you, you got past it, but you never got over it. This is what happens to veterans. You know, veterans yeah. see the horrors of war and they squish it down. And then when they get home, it wants to come out. But what, what you feel is if I let it out, it's going to, it's going to eviscerate me from the inside out. Right. So I got that. And the intensity and the, the, the war zone that these people have been through. That's right. And, and I don't want to focus though. That's, that's as terrible as that is. I don't want to focus there because what I'm, what I'm seeing and because they are definitely going to deal with it. They're going to need support. The, but I'm a little worried also about the, 
349 million other people or however many people are. I want to talk that, a little bit about fear. Okay, yeah, fear. because they say like what I'm seeing in people, it's like zombie land. You go to the grocery, everybody's in their masks, they're not looking at each other, they're not talking to each other, they're afraid to go out. I have conversations with people and they're panicked to go to the grocery store. I was surprised actually, I made some plane reservations last night. I'm thinking about going to going going on a trip. And then I went, wow, I really am nervous about it. And yet I I'm very strong with regard to you know my immune system with I generally don't get respiratory infections. Like I'm not afraid of it. And yet suddenly there's this like the panic, the pressure, the headlines, the, you know, the social ostracizing if you go out without a mask on and you don't have a, like there's all these other things that all of us and even kids who are, you know, being like they're living in this world of masks and you can't go to the store. Like all that lower level, this is not horrors of death and I'm not diminishing that. But there's a whole, all these, all of us other, the rest of the world, so, one so day we're going to have to go to the office and everyone's going to be afraid to have a meeting. And how do, how do we get, that's what I'm trying to address here, the normal, like, again, I called it PTSD because I like to bastardize, you know, <laughs> I like to steal words. Um, but I think there's this element of this like lagging pain that we're going to deal with. Okay. So let, let's talk a little bit about this, this dread, this fearfulness that people are feeling, you know, as bad as fear feels, it's nothing compared to panic. Panic makes you really, you know, it just whacks you out. Right. And there's a term called free floating anxiety and free floating anxiety means you're anxious and you can't attach it to anything. And, and it's such an awful feeling to have free-floating anxiety that you don't know what to be anxious about. You will attach it to things to explain your, to yourself, oh, uh, I don't have this free-floating anxiety, which I'm afraid could turn into panic. I'm going to attach it to something. And then what happens is we start to believe what we're attaching it to. Uh, and as bad as fear is, free-floating anxiety that flirts with panic is far worse. So that's what's happening is that uh, we, we have this massive free-floating anxiety and, and we're attaching it to, oh, that's what I'm afraid of. And then our mind wants to convince us that it's real when it's not, when it's not real. But there are, I mean, there are real things. They're telling us, be very afraid. You know, everyone that coughs, people are afraid that they suddenly have COVID or they're, and then they're suddenly going to die. I have somebody who's got young kids who are saying to her, mom, are you going to die? Because it's so much floating around there. You go to the grocery store and they give you the hairy eyeball if you walk past someone or walk the wrong way. I mean, it's just, and it's so destructive to that constant intensity and the, I'm assuming that there's a lot of cortisol going on in our bodies, which is inflammatory and creates, actually lowers our own immune sensitivities, right? So that there, is it, how, should people give that credit? I mean, again, there's, how do they, how do they shut off the TV? How do they shut off their mother-in-laws? How do they shut off their, the array of opinions that are out there on, you should go, you should go, because everyone's got an opinion. And again, anybody watching this, let me know what you're afraid of. Like what's, what's bag, bugging you and what, what are the fears that you have um, with regard to this? So like, how do they not give that credibility and, and not, you know, how do I walk into the airport and not be afraid? 
Well, I, I think you made a good point. And all the recommendations are to try to shut down on the stimulus uh, that's just overstimulating you. So if you're already overwhelmed and you're watching more, you're going to get more overwhelmed. But that said, I'm kind of like you. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm rubbernecking it. I, I mean, I'll share something, you know, personal. Uh, I, I can't even watch escapist stuff because when I used to watch escapist movies and you get out of the theater, you come back and you relax from that, you know, that horror movie or whatever. But now it's almost like I can't do that because when I come back, I come back to the coronavirus. So there's almost like no escape for this kind of thing. So, uh, so I, I think, you know, someone, uh, I was on an uh, interview and someone said, you know, we always guard our calendars. You know, we had an appointment to do this, Sarah. So if you can start calendaring in things that give you more control, that are healthy routines. Uh, also think of routines that you can still do that uh, even if you're not in the mood to do it, that once you get started, you tend to feel better. And, and start to schedule them, start to put them on a calendar because what happens is a lot of the routines we have, a lot of the escapes, a lot of the things we do that we can't do now that we're hunkered down, were ways that we would manage our anxiety in day-to-day -day life. So the more that you can have routines that, that even if you don't wanna get started in them, uh, they tend to make you feel better and start to schedule them and then keep to your schedule and, and just kind of try that. Something else you brought up about cortisol, and I think I sent you some information. There's something that I've been sending out to uh, organizations, but also to families. There's something that I call the 10 word check-in. I love this. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that up to you. Okay, and, and if you go to markgoulston.com or you look up 10 word remote check-in, what's happened is a number of people who run companies or small businesses and they're doing things remotely, they say, you know, we do this check-in because everybody's in the state of upset and upheaval, but we got to get business done. And, and, and I don't want to shortchange someone. If someone on the check-in says, you know, I'm really worried because, you know, my mom or dad's on a ventilator, you don't want to cut them off. And yet you don't want to give them this empty offering. Let's have a check-in and then change the subject. So something that I've developed with some of the organizations that I consult to, but you can use this in families, it's called the 10 word uh, check. And you can do this with your family. And what you can do once a day is you can you say to the people in your family or people you're dealing with remotely, say, here are 10 words. And I want you to think of the worst time uh, you had since we last checked in and attach the, this, the word to what you felt. So don't get into a sentence, just attach the word. And I'll list the words for you. Anxious, uh, depressed, frustrated, afraid, angry, ashamed, alone, lonely, exhausted, numb. Now there are other ones, overwhelmed, whatever, but those, those 10 are good to go. And what, what people are doing on these Zoom calls, if any of you do Zoom calls, people are just exhausted from Zoom calls, partially because you got to look at the other person. You can't multitask or pick your teeth or do something like you can do on the phone. You got to look at them and they see. And then when you put in your name instead of the picture, they figure, oh, they're doing five other things. And so you get exhausted from that. And when you look at these Zoom calls in the chat, 
people are listening. Oh, here's a, here's a good link. Here's something people are giving messages and that's exhausting. But when people start to think of what the word is that matches when they felt at their worst and why would you do this? Because what you're saying, and you say this in your family, I don't want anyone in our family or our company to feel alone in how awful they can feel. And I can tell you, Sarah, you can see it in your mind's eye that when people start listing their name, people that you didn't know as people, people that you knew as someone in accounting or sales or whatever, and, and they have their name and they put in something like alone, angry, numb. And again, it's, it, what happens is it is a collective catharsis. And what a catharsis is, is being able to safely express what you feel and, and what's happening, and some organizations have told me, they said, this is the best culture builder we've ever done, because if you can picture it and you see all the names, and there's not all this links and people sending messages, you begin to feel, we're all in this together. Yeah. We're all in this together. And then what happens is it crosses over into this amazing feeling of admiration. You say, boy, we're all soldiering through this. And the combination of that shared vulnerability plus admiration, what happens is there's a huge surge of something called oxytocin. You bond to everyone, they bond to you. And oxytocin starts to ratchet down cortisol. Very calm. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. When I read that list, just alone, I, I found it a helpful just solo exercise because I went down that list. I went anxious, no, depressed, no, afraid, no, frustrated, yes. Like that, because, and, it, and just putting the word on it helped me release it. You know, like when you identify the problem, and then, you know, if you journal about it, write about it, reflect on it, like it, it took it out of me and, and kind of gave me permission. Like it was its own silent hug of totally. acknowledgement. Okay, I can, I can see what that is. And then it helped release some of that. Now, there's a term called affect labeling. And there's a wonderful researcher at UCLA, Matthew Lieberman, and he wrote a book called The Social Brain. And he's done a lot of work and he said that when we accurately label what we're feeling, it lessens the activation in our brain or your agitation by a third. And so that's, that's, not, that's not venting, it's underneath it all. Uh, what I'm really feeling is I'm afraid. What I'm really feeling is I'm frustrated. And there's something about attaching the accurate word to the feeling you're having and it calms you down. So, uh, because a lot of people will say, well, let's do positive things. Let's be grateful. And I'm all in favor of that. But what happens is when you do those exercises, it's a little bit like some motivational speakers who pump you up. And then when they leave, you deflate. Well, you're also still stuffing those emotions and there's, those fears are still in there. Now you had something, because you'd sent me your blog about it, that you say it aloud, confirm it in your mind. And then say, yes, that's it. And then you take a brief, deep breath and exhale, imagining it so that you kind of bathe yourself in it almost and let yourself be it, feel it, and then release it. Yeah, yeah. in fact, you just shared that that's exactly what you did, is that when you, when you went through the list and you saw frustrated, you said, yeah, that's it. And mm -hmm. just saying, yes, that's what I feel. You know, what people don't know is that when you can feel something and express it like that, it does release it, 
and you don't have to really do anything about it. You know, there, there's an interesting irony. When people become emotional, it's really not expressing feelings. They're trying to stay away from feelings. Mm -hmm. you know, when people get emotional, they're trying to stay away from feelings. And what are the feelings? It's, you know, one of those 10 things where you just feel vulnerable and exposed. But when you just can say it and feel it, it works. And something else, you know, that we talked about in the article, because people say, well, what do we do next? And something that some organizations are doing, which I think is a brilliant idea on their, uh, on their part, is, you know, how you can, you can send people a chat file on Zoom. Or even if you're on a Zoom call with, you know, relatives. Uh, and what happens is if you have a large number of people, uh, uh, you, you suggest people check in with each other when you have the same word. So if your word when you're feeling worse is frustrated or your word is numb, check in with each other each week and you just share what frustrated you most, what made you numb, what are you going to do about it? And so you form these subgroups of even more intense bonding. And what's going to happen is you're going to actually, through some of those groups or even family members who never express themselves, you're going to connect in ways that you never did because you know, because we're so busy in our lives, we often don't take the time to stop, pause, know what we're feeling and feel it and express it. Awesome. Now, I'm going to play my own devil's advocate, right? So this is great in terms of helping people feel better about these feelings. I always have a thing about, I'll call it wallowing in the misery. I'm somebody who likes to get past things and free us, right? So will this, so fast forward a week, two weeks, a month, whatever, Will these feelings, they're not going to magically go away. So somebody asked about being afraid to get on mass transit, right? And I said before, I'm, you know, I have mixed feelings about going to an airport. Um, so we're going to walk out of here, but the, those feelings and those fears are going to linger. So how do we let, is it, is it just facing them, acknowledging them, and then braving it through and then realizing it's okay? Like, how do they, how do we get on with life, frankly, when all this is done. Well, see, I think these little, the little tidbits, and there's going to be people who are listening to this say, no, no, I want to accentuate the positive. Well, what happens is it will feel like other people, you're not accentuating the positive, you're running away from, you know, feeling vulnerable. And what's happening is there's going to be a number of people you know that say, well, that works for you because Sarah, you're a doer you're always in action, you know, that'll work for you right. because you can do that. And what's going to happen is they're going to feel a disconnect from them and they'll nod. They'll say, well, I'm glad it's working. Yes, here, I'll try that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll do something. I'll be in action. So this is an opportunity. And, and I think this is also an opportunity for, for us as people to connect with each other in our vulnerability is not the same thing as helplessness. It's just vulnerability. And so do you Go ahead. We don't connect in vulnerability. You know, I, I've done a lot of talks to high schools and teenagers uh, about dealing with stress and anxiety. And there's an exercise, and, and actually those 10 words came from an exercise that I did with a with Hollywood High School. And I said to them, and this is normal pre-corona, I said, you, if you're a teenager, you know four emotions, excitement, boredom, fear, anger. That's what you know. Mm -hmm. Excitement, uh, boredom, fear, and anger. And what happened is I said, here's a different way to deal with your stress. And when I did the exercise, uh, there's about 50 
uh, high school students. And I said, think of the worst time you felt in the last week and say the word. So if you can picture this in your mind's eye, each of them said the word. And afterwards I said, how did that feel? And they said, oh, that felt better. And I said, why? Those are negative words. They said, I didn't feel so alone. Hmm. I, I, I felt like I belong. Some people said, I felt like I belong for the first time since I've been in this high school. And, uh, and I said, well, that's because you just got a surge of this chemical, the belonging chemical. It's called oxytocin. Right. And what happened is uh, that's not something you do in your life because the four main emotions you run by are excitement, boredom, fear, and anger. And that felt better. So write down the list. And when you're trying to reach people, do that. And, and again, it's, it's not dwelling in it. It's, it's checking in at the vulnerability. And then what can we, then you can say, what can we do? But if you try to bypass it, you know, the way I look at it, Sarah, is uh, I, uh, when I dealt with people who are traumatized and it's really pushed on, I look at it as an abscess. And if you suture an abscess too soon, the person's going to get septic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to be one of those cold, like, don't acknowledge your feelings. I just like, how do I, I, I was looking for the acknowledge it and then not become a prisoner of it. Well, right? that's it why sounds like what you're saying that just the, this process of connecting and that raising the oxytocin level takes down a lot of that anxiety so that you can actually deal with it in a more mm -hmm. rational way. And again, you don't feel as alone, you feel safer in the world. Yeah, because what happens is when cortisol goes up, that stress hormone, it triggers this part of our brain called an amygdala. Uh, we got to survive. And the amygdala uh, causes our blood to go to our lower brain to survive in a way. And so we can't think. We are deer in the headlights and we can't think. And so when you have the bonding or the oxy, that oxytocin surge, it calms everything down so the blood flow goes up to our upper brain and then we can think. So if you have those groups, and I really love the idea that these organizations are doing, pair people with, uh, yeah, because if you're, you wouldn't pair well if, you're, if, if what you feel is frustrated, it, it, it wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't be in sync with someone who feels lonely. No. Or feels whatever. <laughs> no. Uh, but the point is if you're with a bunch of other people right. who are frustrated, right. you can say, good. Uh, boy, do I feel like I'm with my, uh, uh, my kindred spirits. Uh, so who has some ideas or best practices for getting through this? And then you accentuate always about, you know, who's moved past this and how did you do it? Whereas if you gave advice to someone who at their worst felt either lonely or, you know, or numb and you felt frustrated, uh, it wouldn't go in. You tell them what worked for you, it just wouldn't go in. So it's important for people to understand what how they operate is there a, is there a way or a place for people to to identify who they are and then what those tactics might be for them so well, that for me it's feel it and then be in action not in denial but just i need so, to feel like but other people need to feel safer other people need to feel connection like how do how does somebody find their mode of healing well this uh you know, as I said, I, I work with teenage groups and high school, high school is about dealing mental resilience. And one of the things that we came up with, and you can actually create this uh, 
maybe bottom line will create the digital thing that's above my pay grade. But uh, we created something called the, the uh, stress relief tool. And what it is, is if you can imagine a little journal, I mean, I, I, I keep journals where, you know, just expressing myself, just the journal helps. And, and what happens is when you're feeling upset in the journal, you write down the day and the date. And then you imagine someone, uh, a mother, a father, a mentor, a coach, someone who cared about you or cares about you. And I have seven mentors and they've all passed away. And someone who I didn't really get to know, but I consider him a mentor just because of who he was, was your dad. You know, without knowing him that closely, he occupies that place in my head. Right. And so I imagine, so you imagine that person says, and what they say is, you can do this, write down the, the day and the time, and then, it, and then here are the steps. What just happened? And you write it down. Uh, what did you think or feel? What did you think and feel when it happened? And you write it down. You don't have to do big paragraphs. And then, because some people think, some people feel. So what did you think and feel when that happened? Uh, that's the second step. The third step is, uh, what, did, what does it make you want to do? What's the impulse? So this is, this is what we try to teach our kids in preschool. Use your words. Use right. your words. Express <laughs> yourself so you don't act on the impulse. Right. Uh, I think I need some, uh, you know, uh, uh, remedial training on that. Uh, uh, but, but the thing is, what does it make you want to do? I want to do such and such. And then the next step is, what will happen if you do that? Well, you know, I'll feel better, but you know, you know, if I, if I scream, uh, it's not going to make my mother or father happy right. <laughs> you know, when we're in close quarters. And then, and then the next step is take a deep breath. And again, I'm imagining someone like your dad or my mentor is saying, take a deep breath, Mark. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing is what would be a better thing to do? Yeah. And actually the tool is the better thing. The better thing is I think just, just remembering you, thinking of you, remembering how you cared about me, you know, when you were alive and walking me through it, I'm just feeling better. I'm getting it out. I'm being grateful. I'm feeling grateful to you. I'm missing you. And all those things just help settle you down. And you could make this like a little journal, especially for that. And just imagine these people walking you through it. Now I do that because at my core, uh, it works better when I imagine a conversation with someone walking me through it. Now, if you're the kind of person who can say these positive statements, you know, uh, these assertive things, then you don't need to conjure up someone like that. But for me, I like conjuring someone up because it, it helps the oxytocin. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think also just the steps as you went through it, it was very, I hate the word empowering, but it was very empowering because when you were coming to a solution, what can I do about it? which gives you the power and you realize that you're not stuck in a corner, that there are options to it. Now, somebody's asking me about, do you have any advice for kids? Again, the kids are anxious. Is this an exercise you can do with kids or is there something else? Yeah, you can do that with kids. Uh, here's a couple other exercises. Uh, uh, a good friend of mine and I, we worked on a transition program for returning Marines. And one of the things he would do to help them help to get at what was really bothering them. He would say, uh, Marine, that's how they call each other, Marine, uh, how are things going? And they would say something. And then he would use the five reallys. 
well, yeah, I understand that, but what's really going on? And they mm. go deeper. Well, I understand that too, but what's really going on? And when you get to about the fifth, what's really going on, people will often share what's underneath it all. For Marines, what they shared with him, they'd stare at him like a deer in the headlights and they'd say, uh, sir, I saw and did awful things. And when I close my eyes, I see them more clearly. So I don't close my eyes much, sir. Mm -hmm. What happened is, and then he said, all of us Marines have seen and done awful things. And here's an order, put it aside. So you can go through the five realies, uh, uh, what's really going on and, and see what comes up. Right. And, and, uh, and then something that's also similar to that, there's something, it, it's something I call uh, reverse psychology. And here's the fancy term, and I'll just use it once. It's called mediated catharsis. And what that means is when you give your kid words to express themselves that they don't have, they feel relief. Uh, and this is what it may look like. Uh, so you're with your kid and they're ornery and they're acting up. And you might say to your kid, uh, uh, I'm going to try something and maybe it'll make you feel better. And they'll go, what? 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 You know, because they're sullen. You can say, uh, and you can say, uh, uh, look me in the eye and say, mom, I really hate this. I mean, I hate it. I hate it. And, 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 and I, hate, I hate my life right now. I hate it and I don't think it's ever going to get better. And so, and see, why does that work? Because see, if they say that on their own, you're going to try and damper them down. Now, I understand that. And they're going to feel squelched instead of you're draining it, the abscess. Right. But when you give them permission, you're mediating, they're getting it off their chest. And, and when you do that, uh, instead of you getting defensive, it, it changes everything. And then when they start, get it off, you can look at them with more compassion than you would before. And you could say, you know, honey, I understand. We all feel something like that. I think we're going to make it through. But do you see it? it it's subtle, but it's very different than yes. they're coming up with it and then you shutting them down. Because right. what you're doing is you're inviting them to get it off their chest. Right. And again, back to the original, your original point of this kind of frenetic frustration and angst running around that's just flying and it helps direct them for it and give them a channel and put words to it because they're too young. They don't necessarily need to know how to express it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and by the, way, you can, by the way, you can do this with your, you can do this with your spouses. I mean, if you have a spouse who's uh, lost their job because of this, doesn't know if they're going to get it back, they're really worried. And a lot of men, what they do is they don't use their words. They withdraw. They get sullen. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard an interesting quote from a, a friend of mine that I'm doing some suicide prevention work with. He said, you know, when you ask people, especially teenagers, how are you doing? And they say, great. They're usually good. But when they say I'm fine, they're not. Yep. There was a great, there was a poem about I'm fine and all the things that what saying I'm fine really means. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you can, so something you can do, let's say you have a spouse who's laid off and doesn't think they're ever going to work again. Uh, you can even try that with them. Now, again, you got to get comfortable with it, but you have to see that you're not provoking them. What you're doing is you're helping them get it off their chest because they're just keeping it in. What you can say to a spouse is, you know, can I try something? You know, honey, I, I, I think you might feel better. What? What? I'm fine. Uh, or, or as my husband would say, don't tell me how I feel. Don't tell me how I feel. Uh, 
Oh, so here's what you'd say to your husband. Okay, here's, here's some instruction to Sarah. Uh, so can you say this to me, hon? What? Say, I think you'll feel better. What? Uh, say, just say this to me. Sarah, get off my back already. <laughs> get off my back already. You have no already. problem you're, saying you're, that. <laughs> you're trying to help me, and you're making it worse already. You know, this controlling part of yourself, give it a rest, Sarah. Put a sock in it. You know, I'm going through enough already. What would happen is if you said that and he said it, he would start to laugh. Yes. Just like I did. And I'm sure there are many, many of everybody out there who's got their, their moments of trying to, you know, fix fix those who don't necessarily want to be fixed or don't know, like, you know, they, they don't want, they feel invaded. All right, so let's get super specific in the last few minutes that we've got. Um, I'm using so, Huh? I'm using that. My husband's just jumping in. <laughs> my, hus that. my husband's jumped no, into no, our I, podcast I, right now. Go I, away. I gotta give you the FUD response. The FUD. Did you read the FUD? Huh? Oh, here's the killer thing. If you're listening, you can use this anywhere. So you got a relationship like Sarah has with her husband, or yada yada yada. So this is what you do. If you're with someone and they're sullen or they're venting or they're complaining. The FUD technique, and this is in, I have a book called Talking to Crazy, which is how to calm people down who drive you crazy. And I don't know what's going on my, my screen here. This is I'm crazy. I think that's my father saying hi. That's weird. Well, there you go. Well, hi, hi. Nice to see you. Uh, 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 Sarah and I miss you. She just does it in a different way. But uh, uh, so, like the, so the FUD reaction is you say to someone, you let them vent or they get sullen and you say, uh, I think you're feeling uh, frustrated and I think you're holding back. They're going to go, what? You know, you know, I think because people will talk about being frustrated. Right. They won't talk about if you say you sound angry, they, you know, they won't they say, you know, I think you're frustrated and I think you're holding back and they're going to go, what? You can say, yeah, I think you're frustrated and I think you're upset and I think you're disappointed. So can you fill me in on all of those? And what happens is, as the person talks about what they're frustrated about, you then say, and you, and you feel it getting that off their chest, you can say, so and what are you upset about? And that's what you really want to get out, because the upset is sort of a euphemism for what are you angry about? They get that out. And then after that, you can, as you practice this, they calm down, you can say, and I think you're disappointed, disappointed in yourself, disappointed in me, disappointed in your job. What's that about? And what happens is when you're talking with them about their disappointment, it really is an oxytocin thing because you've bonded to them. They calm down. And when they, and, and they might say something, I'm disappointed in myself. You know, I'm not handling this well. I'm trying to be patient with the kids and I'm snapping at them. Or even again, in this whole pandemic of I'm disappointed in it's, I'm scared. I, you know, I'm supposed to be the strong person. I'm scared. I'm disappointed that I can't, I've lost my job. We don't have money, like whatever, like all these other things that are going on. Yeah. And, 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 right. and then, and then I, I think I, if, you, if you manage this, what'll happen is you can see in your mind's eye that when they do that, that's when you can say, look, I understand because we're all frustrated, upset, and disappointed. And I think we'll make it through it even if we don't know exactly how, because we've been through things like this before and we always made it through. Mm -hmm. Although no one's been through anything like this, but there have been other, everyone thought, you know, 9-11 was the world coming to it. There have been other tragedies. Well, I'll tell you, one of the most eloquent, I, I collect eloquent quotes. 
And one of my patients years ago was really close to her larger than life dad. I mean, really close. And this guy was beloved by the world. And she saw me for that. And, and, uh, and she didn't know how she was going to deal with it. And then one day she came and she said, I think I'm better. And I said, what happened? And she looked at me and you need to unpack this, Sarah, because it's so eloquent. She said, you know what it comes down to is living with life, never being the same again. Mm-hmm. Living with life, never being the same again. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean yeah. you know, I can't laugh. It'll just never be the same again. But people have had cancer. People have had bankruptcies. We've all gone through things where life was never the same again. But it wasn't necessarily worse. Right. It's just different. So is this, someone's just asking me, like, this almost feels like a mourning. Like, is it, it is it, is it a processing of a grief? And then you, well, it, it, it's beyond because it's more constructive. Like well, it just change. Okay. So the, here, here, the mourning is letting go of life being the same again. Why we won't do it is because we're not letting, we're not letting go of it if it's being ripped away from us. But mm-hmm. the point is, if you let it go, it can't be ripped away from you because right. you've let it go. Yes. It's, it's like a mind switch. Right. And there will be a lot of good to come from this. So let me, in the few minutes that we have left, let me get very specific. Again, because people are going to have to get out of their house. And I have this feeling like they're all, we're all going to be germaphobes. We're going to be afraid to touch anyone. You know, I always said, I, I actually did a video on this. Like, wash your hands and give someone a hug. I mean, just because that oxytocin and the touch is so important. But, you know, when... If somebody, they're, they're honestly going to be afraid to go into that grocery store. They're honestly going to be afraid to get on the subway again or to get on the commuter train or to, you know, um, what, you know whatever thing that, that they're going to now have to deal with that life has changed. And is it, is it simply this process of acknowledging the fear and then well, you can use, it? Look, is there other self-talk or something that they're going to have to work well, through? Well we, well, we just did it. So, so you can use that stress response tool. So there I am. Let's say I have to take a flight and, you know, I'm going to give something and I'm afraid, you know, I'm going to be in this, uh, this confined space. So I can call up one of my, as I said, I call up one of my deceased mentors and, 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 they, and they say, what? What, Mark? You woke me. What's happening? I said, it's happening. I got to get on a flight. Uh, uh, well, I got to get on a flight to go on something. I can't get out of it. Uh, so what do you think and feel? Uh, well, what I thought and feel is that, you know, I'm scared. I'm afraid if I'm in there and, you know, and someone's mask, you know, falls or something, I'm going to get infected. Uh, and, and so what does it make you want to do? What well, makes me want to cancel everything and just, you know, just go hide. Yeah. And, uh, and what would happen if you did that? Well, I can't do it. You know, uh, we'll take a deep breath. Mark, what would be a better thing to do? Just do it, you know, do what's under my control, you know, wash hands, the distancing. One of the things I do, I don't hear it talked about much. When I pass people, I just hold my breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hold my breath when I'm walking. You know, oh, oh, they're not I six at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not six feet, they're four feet. So I just hold my breath. You know, that's good for your lungs too. You know, you know, you know that's Chris Cuomo. You inhale, it's like breathing one of those rubber gloves. Breathing but, exercises with Dr. Mark Wilson. There you go. Right. All right, I love that. Thank you. Any, any final words before I let you go? You're unrelenting, sir. It's I, true. I, 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 we always I, got more. Um, and that's okay, you can pass. 
Tell me how you feel. Do, do you feel done? Do you feel well, well communicated? Oh, I'll tell you, can I give another tip? That's uh, this is a crazy tip, but as long as you're stuck at home, you may, this is going to be great with you and your husband. Um, and everyone else you, and everybody else. What you say, uh, and I have a blog, you can find this all at markgolston.com. And I think this is called the bury your neck, a stuck at home, bury your neck strategy. And so what you say to someone in your family, could say, uh, uh, you got a moment, I want to ask you something. Uh, it's actually an apology. Everybody's open to an apology, especially an unsolicited one. They never happen. And they say, what? At my absolute worst, how frustrated or awful can I make you feel about yourself and us? I'm going to say, what? Now, at my absolute distracted worst, uh, OCD worst, uh, how frustrated and awful can I make you feel about yourself that you're not doing the right things right. or about us? And what happens is if you do this sincerely and they look at you, like, is it safe to tell you? And you say, yeah, now tell me. Uh, and then they say, you know, when you're at your worst, it can be pretty awful. And at that point, what you say is, I'm going to fix that. You deserve better than that. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to fix that. And I'm sorry. It's amazing what that can do to a relationship. I, I, I did that with a few executives I'm coaching and they said, we just had the, I just had the best conversation okay. in 10 years with my spouse. All right. Marriage counseling now with Dr. Mark Goldston. There you go. We started on PTSD, fear and anxiety, and we're ending on marriage counseling. Well, there but you it's, go. it's all about connection. All right. Thank you so much. Mark Goldston, his website, Mark, uh, where I lost it. Doctor, say it for me because I've lost Mark it. M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. Uh, dot com and I'm just uh, see I express myself uh, I have, I have a case of bloggeria. You you always have words and words and words. It's very true. Um, and let me just again remind everybody next Tuesday at two o'clock we're in the ICU with Dr. Joe Joe Feuerstein. Next Thursday Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum will be back with me. We're going to be talking about sleep, which is so important for immune systems. And then let me also remind people: Bottom Line put together a free book about immune boosters to help you beyond the wash hands, beyond sleep, beyond some vitamin C, what other things that are our whole panel of experts. I mean, we've got thousands of them. The book isn't thousands of pages long, but we took some of the best ones to give so that everybody can strengthen themselves. This is an excessive immune boosting, but we're all running depleted. The stress, the fear, the anxiety, it depletes us. So what else can you do to build yourself up, to build your defenses? So come back, put your comments in there. Let us know. Let me know if there's other topics that you want me to be talking about on this. And thank you for joining. And Mark, thank you. You're all you're wonderful as always. Well, you, you are you are too. Now be nice to your husband. Goodbye. I'm always nice to him. We got 33 years we're going on. All oh, good. Wait, wait till it's 41 years. Go uh, on. Well, <laughs> soon we'll get there. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. I'm talking to Dr. Mark Goulston about overcoming the emotional trauma of the coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Goulston is known as the people hacker for his ability to understand the minds of all sorts of people facing all sorts of challenges, and then helping them to overcome those issues to return to a full, vibrant life. 
Dr. Goulston is just one of the thousands of experts featured in our newsletter, Bottom Line Personal, who provide their expert advice to guide readers into action in their own lives. In addition to Mark's wisdom regarding emotional challenges, Bottom Line Personal is filled with actionable advice on all aspects of your life, including living a healthy life, home and garden maintenance, finding the best insurance, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, and even the latest gadgets for your home or office. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the top tips from our experts of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.